0: All right, we're just going to jump right into Scripture, and uh, I always like to hear you guys cheer about that. So let's jump right into Scripture. Sounds good? All right, there we go. Happy Valentine's Day. Does it feel weird to say that to me a little bit? Yeah, I know, I know. Half of you are like, "Ah, I'm not sure about that. Okay, yeah, (laughs) what did you say? I love you too. I love you. Uh, That was a little forced. That's okay. I should have shown that video of my kids. You'd love me more then. So, um, okay, let's look at this scripture. This is from the gospel of Luke chapter 4 verse 1 through 13, and it's the story of Jesus after he is baptized in the Jordan River. You basically know nothing about Jesus's life except that he was born. Uh, he had a couple of things going on. I mean, some serious stuff happening, but, but this is the beginning of his ministry. This is the beginning of the story of Jesus. He's baptized in the Jordan River. As he's baptized in the Jordan River, He comes up out of the water and there is a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father that says, this is my, do you know what it is? Son. It says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as he is baptized. And then we enter into this story, the the story of Jesus entering into his 40 days. As we enter into our 40 days of Lent before Easter, we like to look at this scripture to, to center us. And help us get kind of a launch pad toward Easter. Let's look at this scripture. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all. And during those days, uh, dur- he ne- ate nothing at all during those days. And when they were over, he was famished the devil said to him if you are the son of god command this stone to become a loaf of bread and jesus answered him it is written one does not live by bread alone then the devil took him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him to you i will give their glory And all this authority, it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Love the Lord your God, worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Then the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will, not, you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, He departed from him until an opportune, oh, I don't like to hear that at all, until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Someone said, how are you going to preach this message on Valentine's Day? And as I reflected on this scripture, I realized that this scripture is all about love. If you look at this scripture and you do not get the message of love, if you don't understand the the depth to which God wants us to love and the depth to which God loves us, then you're missing the entire point of this scripture. I know it seems like a little bit of a leap to get there, but I'll show you how I ended up there. Now before we get there, I want to ask you something because I imagine that you have difficult times in your life, but that's not what a wilderness time is. A wilderness time is different than a difficult time in your life. A wilderness time is the kind of thing that Jesus experienced. A wilderness time, for example, is like, for example, when the nation of Israel was wandering around in the desert for 40 years with nothing to eat except bug spit that came from heaven. That's a wilderness time. And if you've experienced a wilderness time, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't experienced a wilderness time... I just want to prepare you. It it helps sometimes if you hear someone say, hey, you know what? This is going to come in your life. This this will most likely come in your life. It will come. And so there will be a wilderness time in your life if you have not experienced one yet. When you're in your difficult times, I think we've all experienced difficult times, what are the voices that help you through those difficult times? What are the voices that help you? I mean, just on the basketball court. I'm looking at Richard. He's a basketball player. I, no, let me rephrase that. Did you know that Richard also is an incredible basketball player, our worship leader, and an incredible musician? He's a trifecta. I don't know what the third thing is, but I'm scared to find out. But when you're on the basketball court and you're down by 20 points, which he's never been, how do you, how do you get back? How do you get back in the game? Or when you've just found out that you're being laid off from a place that you've served for so long and you've worked at for so long? How do you get back in the game? What are those voices that lead you? Are they the voices that say, are they, um, I remember a voice from Happy Gilmore. Do you know the voice that, that the guy used to yell to Happy Gilmore from the sidelines? Do you guys know what it was? Anyone? You can. Yeah, come on, say it like that guy. Anyone? No one? Uh, No one's going to do it? Then I'll do it. This is about a place of humility here, and that's part of our message today, okay? You can do it! Is that pretty close? Is that right? He yells, you can do it! And that becomes the voice that Happy Gilmore uses in order to win the entire football game. Or maybe, you have what it takes, or just do it. Does not anyone think of anything else that they say to themselves to get themselves back in the game? Get our neurons firing. Get some coffee if you can. The other thing that I've heard people say is, uh, you're never going to amount to anything. Some people are motivated by that voice. You're hopeless case. I'm disappointed in you. Sometimes those are the voices that people hear in their life that get them back in the game. See, there's some voices happening in this scripture, and I want us to pay attention to all the voices that are taking place. One of the voices is the voice of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is speaking. And who is he speaking with? Speaking with the devil. So that's another voice. And then we also have the voice of the Father. We have the voice of God through scripture. Scripture. A voice that wouldn't otherwise be there if Jesus had not known the Scriptures, if he hadn't become familiar with the Scripture, if he hadn't become one with the Word of God in his lifetime. But he knew it, and it was there with him, and he had the voice of God with him. He had the voice of the Father speaking into that space. And then there's the silent voice of the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness and dwelling with Jesus and empowering Him during this time. Now, each of these voices are very important voices and what i love about this is that you have the voice of the you have the voice of the devil at some point who's who's trying to tell jesus what scripture says did you notice that uh, the devil turns to jesus after he brings jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and he says to jesus he says throw yourself off for it is written in scripture he will command his angels concerning you to protect you and they will bear you up on their hands and You will not dash your foot against a stone. And what's really important is that Jesus knew Scripture so well that he knew that the devil was misusing Scripture. That the devil was quoting Scripture accurately, but he wasn't understanding Scripture. He wasn't understanding the heart behind the Scripture. In fact, Jesus' Scriptures that he is quoting today are coming from a certain place in the Bible. And I think it's really important. Now, this is like Bible 101. I do this class every Sunday after this worship service on the sermon that we preach. It's called the Next Step class. And my class is absolutely sick of me. I I don't know if they are. They might say that. But of me saying, let's see what the quote is that Jesus is referring to from the Old Testament. Let's go back to what Jesus is talking about so we can understand it. So the first quote that Jesus says in this dialogue with the devil, when the devil says, hey, you know what? You're super hungry. Why don't you change this stone into a loaf of bread? Okay? The first quote comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse... I did not know this when I read it. Trust me, I'm not that, that well versed in the Bible. I, I will be someday. Someday I will get there. That's my goal. But it comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 1 through something, something. And I'm going to put it up there so that we can read it together. And, and, and pay, pay attention to what this verse says. It says... Drum roll. We don't have a drummer. Is it, is it up there? Is it the scripture up there? We put it in there ahead of time, but you know, there's, you don't need to, you don't need to hear it. thousand years, fifteen, eighteen hundred years, people just heard the scripture, so it's okay. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse one through three. Be careful to follow every command. Now this, now I want to put some context for this. The person speaking is Moses. And this is taking place in the same desert where Jesus is. Only a thousand years before. But it's taking place in the same spot. And it's not taking place during 40 days of wilderness time. It's taking place at the end of 40 years of spending time in the wilderness. Are you starting to understand there's a few parallels here? And then Moses is standing at the edge of the Jordan River where Jesus was just baptized with all of the Israelites. And they're about to enter into the promised land. They're about to enter into this, this land that had been promised and that this is going to be the wonderful place with tons of milk and honey. I give my kids, by the way, best recipe. I give them warm honey milk every night before bed. My wife is so frustrated with me because it takes 30 extra minutes to get the kids to bed. Because I every night I give them milk and honey. So delicious. That was called a tangent. Do you know what a tangent is? But I think the land of milk and honey is something you could taste. It's that kind of goodness. It's so, it warms you up. It gives you a place of comfort. It gives you a place of wholeness and healing and hope and peace and joy. It's it's a real thing. And so they're standing at the edge of the promised land. And Moses says these words to the people of Israel. Listen, these words that Jesus quotes to the devil in his face. This is what Moses says. By the power of God. He says, Be careful to follow every command that I am giving to you today so that you, so that you may live and increase. Wait a second. Are you saying that God's purpose is for us to live and increase? God's purpose is for us to thrive and may enter and possess the land that the Lord has promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert for the 40 years. If you've ever been in a desert time, right now is a good time to remember how God was with you during that time, leading you and protecting you and guiding you. But it says that the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Isn't that interesting? The purpose of the humbling the purpose of the desert time, the purpose of the testing is in order to know what is in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither your ancestors were acquainted with in order to make you understand that this is the quote that Jesus used. In order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone. But here's the rest of the quote. But by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. If you don't know the whole quote, you don't really get all of what Jesus is saying to the devil. Jesus is saying, in your desert times, the words of God are going to guide you through. The scripture is going to be your support. It's going to it's going to carry you and it's going to help you know the difference between the voice of the devil and the voice of God or even the voice of doubt in your head or the voice of your parents or your grandparent or the negative coach or the negative teacher or even the positive coach or the positive teacher. It's going to help you to know the difference between the voices that are trying to lead you in this world and then the voice of God which needs to be foremost in leading you through this life. And I love that God says that he's letting them hunger and and he's letting them hunger so that they would need manna. Taking away all their food, all of the food that the Israelites have so that they have to eat bug spit that comes from heaven every single day for 40 years. That they said was like bread. But they could not keep it. It would rot. It would just deteriorate. So God made, made this bread in order such that they needed new bread every single day. And what I think the lesson here is, is that... And and especially as we enter into Lent, the lesson here is that when we get into times of abundance, when we start to get into a time of thriving in our life, we can start to develop the thinking or or thought pattern that we are in control. Or that everything that we have doesn't come from God. But when you are in those times of need and when you have almost nothing— It's those times when you're very, very abundantly clear that every little thing is coming from God. And that's why Lent is such a great thing, to deprive yourself of something, to remember that everything comes from God. And to remember God every step along the way. I gave up salt for Lent. I'm a a salt addict. And every time I reached for the salt shaker, I remembered God's love for a whole entire Lent. And I failed sometimes. But the point is, I was returning my focus to the voice of God in my life. That's what Lent is all about. And you know what I think is even more interesting is that Moses is saying this to the people as they're at the edge of the promised land and Jesus is encountering the devil and speaking these words as he's at the edge of the promised land. At the best, think of what you, what you imagine to be paradise on earth. Right? Paradise, heaven on earth. This is what we pray for, right? At the edge of the Jordan, Jesus is preparing for his ministry to go into the same land Because you know what? It appears that the great challenges, the great battles that needed to be fought in the promised land, those giants still existed. Those huge places of conflict, the promised land was not whole. It was not not what the promised land was supposed to be. It had turned into this corrupt, distorted place. I mean, any one of us can look at the news every day and realize that the world is not, is not what God has promised the world would be. Is it? It's not this land of peace. It's not this land of Now, this is the next scripture I want you to hear and digest. It's one chapter later in Deuteronomy and Jesus again quotes this. This is Moses again speaking to the Israelites. To the Lord your God belong the heavens. I just love that. Listen to how much belongs to the heaven to God. To your Lord God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything that is in it. As you hear that passage, would you take your hands and just just set down whatever you got in it, and turn your hands upward, like this, and um, everything. Just take if you can just set down what you have in your hands, and then just turn your hands upward in a sign that you that you're giving everything over to God in this time. Now hear these words to the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. And listen to this. Yet the Lord has set his affection, his love on your forefathers, and he has loved them. And he chose you Above all other nations, Paul likes to say, Can you believe that we were chosen first? He's not saying we're the only ones chosen. He's just saying, Can you believe that we were the first to know? Why would God choose us to know more before other people? What a gift to know that love. First, it says here, Circumcise your hearts. Does that sound familiar? Pierce your hearts. Therefore, do not be stiff-necked any longer, for the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. God is perfect. God is just. God is not corrupt. God is not the God who accepts bribes. Who was bribing Jesus in the desert? The devil was bribing Jesus. He said, you know what? How about I show you all the kingdoms of the world because everybody seems to have given everything over to me. I could, and he says, if it's been given over to me, I can give it over to you. And Jesus is telling him that is not how the promised land is going to be conquered. That is not how it's going to be happening. You're not going to be able to give this away because we are going to conquer this promised land. We are going to bring about heaven on the face of the earth. And listen to what, listen to what Scripture says. It says that God defends the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien giving him food and clothing. As Jesus looked a- across all of the kingdoms that the devil had shown to him, no doubt Jesus saw all the pain and all the suffering and all the hurt and all the need. Like the need of the love kits that we're putting together today. Can you believe that there's people in our community that don't have enough money for a can of tuna fish? Or a poncho? Or, a, or for whom when they receive a bottle of water, they're just they're just so thankful. So many people in need. But God says this, he says, And you are to love those who are aliens. For you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. See, it is out of the very sense that, that, that we have been redeemed, that we have been loved, that we can love others. Is out of that remembrance of our pain and our hurt and and all the ways in which we have been rejected and all the ways in which we have not felt at home that we are able to say, this is home. We are welcoming you into our hearts. We are welcoming you into our family. We are welcoming you into into our lives. We care for you and we are going to go to the ends of the earth to love you. So, does it make sense now why I said this verse is all about love. What I also want to emphasize, and I think this is really important, last year I talked about this verse and I said that God leads us into desert times not to punish us, but to prepare us. Do you remember that, that sermon? I want to take it one, le- one step further this, this year. When you enter into the promised land, the assumption is that there will not be battles that need to be fought. You see, when Jesus died for our sins on the cross, heaven on earth, heaven came to earth. Heaven came to earth one person at a time. Every person that realized the love of God and the truth of God's promise of salvation forever. Pure heaven is real. Heaven came to earth one person at a time. But it doesn't mean that the promised land is without challenges or without battles or without pain or without difficulty. But the way that the promised land will be taken, the way that the world will be transformed into the kingdom of heaven that we see here in the scripture, the kingdom of heaven of peace, love, hope, charity, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, charity, all of these things, the way that happens is by loving one another. One person at a time. By serving. And by having not proud hearts. But hearts that in the wilderness times have been humbled. And recognize all that God. All that we have is God's. All, all, that, all that we can accomplish is God's. And as Moses is about to lead the people. In, well he doesn't go into the promised land by the way. That's another story for another day. But as, he's, as they are about to go into the promised land, Moses tells them that they need to maintain their focus on God throughout that journey. And that the most important thing that's going to guide them during that journey are the commands of God. The word of God. Thank you, Lord, for, the, for your word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word in our life. We thank you so much that we have your voice in our life and that we are able to distinguish between the voices of those things that are working against your purposes in the world. and your voice, your clear voice, saying, I love you. I've loved your forefathers. I've loved you since the beginning of time. Now, God, let us fulfill your command, your command for us to love the fatherless and the widows and the people who do not know love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.